doobie listeners. You are listening to The Undercard with me, William Maine. Now, for those of you just joining us now, this is a show where, since I kind of enjoy the whole aspect of doing more talk show-based things with my radio program, I decided to do a podcast. And this podcast, The Undercard, is a show where I get to talk about one of my passions, and that's all things pro wrestling and sports entertainment related in the world. So... I've been given these time slots every Sunday to just do a little show, a little pre-recorded show on what's going on with there, do kind of my thoughts on the world, and also just in general seeing like some match reviews and kind of discuss everything that's happening. And so I hope you will stick around and listen because it's going to be a fun hour, I hope. <laughs> As you know, I sometimes do record in areas where there might be some background noises, so in case you hear that, that's just to let you know that's nothing to be worried about. So either way, I think we should get started with our, our show today. I'm going to discuss quite a few things this week since this was, in fact, a pretty busy week in the world of, of the pro wrestling. And I really wanted to do more on the G1 Climax, of course, but they had a bit of an off week with this weekend, so I didn't have any any real new updates outside of the newest episode they had that was all the way back during um, October 1st, so about three days ago. And so, yeah, just to touch back on that, since I've been tracking the G1 Climaxes over, G1 Climax tournaments over this week and up to the conclusion, I wanted to just kind of discuss where the things have been now with the standings. So as of right now, this has been our... Eighth night of the G1 Climax, and for those of you who don't know, again, the G1 Climax is a is a yearly tournament done by New Japan Pro Wrestling that involves around nine to ten competitors, and they compete in these series of matches called Round Robin, which it means no one gets eliminated once they're beaten, but instead they move on to fight another person. So it's like an alternating cycle that you fight everybody, and whoever comes out with the most points on top fights the winner of another block, so there's two blocks, and so on, and then those two people fight, and then the winner gets a world title shot. Now then, so what we have for the latest matchup is that block A has kind of really solidified itself. We're getting into that point of no return now for many wrestlers where normally they say that you can only win the G1 Climax from three points lost. So if you've lost three points, you still have a hope to win the client, the G1. You still have that chance to win. We saw that with uh, Jay White last year where he miraculously managed to get past to having lost his first three matches to get to the tournament. Of course, he didn't actually win it, but he still successfully managed to make it to the tournament finally. So we've been seeing that, and as of now, we already can tell that Yujiro Takahashi, who is now at a score of zero wins and four losses, is most likely out of the tournament. Not that anyone really was counting him for the win, to be honest. And ah, it's, it's Again, it is what it is with him. I've admitted to liking Yujiro, and he's, he's fun. His gimmick's fun, but yeah, it was never going to happen, but it's just... I thought he'd get at least one win. Maybe he'll be a spoiler. He'll probably take down one of the top guys I just surprisingly so either way speaking of those top guys we have Jay White, Taichi, Minoru Suzuki, Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi all at three points or three wins six points since you win two points for every win so I'm just going to refer to it as three match wins just to make it easier so he's 
currently are currently at a three to one record, all of them. So it's getting very clustered up there and we're spacing things out though, outside of that way. Okada trailing behind at four, two wins, two losses, and then Cobb, Tomohiro Ishii, and Shingo Takagi all at the bottom half of the list. Most likely not going to be the winners of this tournament. I was, and then for block B, which was uh, this night, night eight, we got a bit more kind of things coming together here with our also evening things up. So now in, we have the bottom tier for this one would be Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Sonata, who are all at one point and three losses. So, yeah, I initially said that I thought Sonata was going to win this whole thing, and I really, really still am hoping for him because that win over Naito, like the way they kind of had him in the spotlight at the end, I really, I really want to interpret that, that it means he's going to be like – this is his moment. This is the start of it. Like this, he just beat his technically his faction leader. So, I'm really hoping this is going to be it. But I'm just thinking. A part of me is also kind of just worried. It's another moment where it's like last year, where he managed to beat Okada, and everyone was kind of shocked that he managed to do that. So, I'm worried that's going to be like it's his it's his consolation prize. That's it's just it's his being nominated. It's is its own reward kind of thing. I don't know if that means he's gonna win it and I should probably probably be searching for someone else to win this block now since I'm still pulling for Jay White to win block A over Ibushi who I've noticed is, seems to be some people's favorites along with Osprey who is doing very very well <laughs> it's just he's, he's doing well and it's I know a lot of people are mad and I'm partially kind of mad too that it's happening considering all the things he's been through but it is what it is he's still talented and he's still He's still a big name, so it's might as well. So there's no point in crying over spilled milk that he could be a potential winner of this tournament. So regardless, back to block B. We are our top choices right now are Robinson, Juice Robinson, Naito, and Toru Yano, who it's funny always seeing him at the top of these tournaments and some people actually getting scared that they're like, Oh my god, he could actually win. Yano is not gonna win. Like he's winning these early matches, but let's be honest, he's not gonna win the tournament. It's Toro Yano. He's fun. He's he he rarely wrestles matches longer than ten minutes, even maybe even longer than eight minutes nowadays. That don't include tag matches, but so yeah. And there's really no no reason to be scared. It's more or less amazing that they let him keep this winning streak on for so long. But yeah, it it he it, it is what it is though with him, and he got his first loss handed to him with um. I believe it was with Robinson tonight, if I'm remembering correctly. Let me just, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, he got beaten up <laughs> by Naito. Oh, yeah, with Robinson, that's right, because he had the whole moment with his feet getting tied up and him running around and <laughs> running around Robinson, who's just jumping around in the corner. I love that. I love Yana. <laughs> he's, he's hilarious, the guy. Either way, he yeah, um, no need to fret. He's not. He's definitely not winning the tournament though, and um, it's it's really amazing that Naito is doing as well. Because again, they usually, from my knowledge, they don't normally let the people who are the champions win these tournaments because it just kind of ruins a, a great storyline opportunity. Tanahashi, of course, got his got his win up here against. Uh, uh, it wasn't against Yoshihashi because. Yeah, that's right. Cause he got yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got yeah. It was against Yoshihashi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he beat Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi upset Sonata the last time. That's right. I'm trying to get my memory all back. Sorry about that, folks. But regardless, he yeah, he finally got his wins back. He's trying to climb his way up the cards after having lost his first few matches. Um, but he's yeah, he's doing he's doing better, and I'm actually he might be the one. I might have to relent and go with. You. Um, Tanahashi. They still love him, and he's still got a lot of star power, and I think he might just be the person to to win the tournament. It's it's very possible. They still like him, and there's no reason. He's not like a veteran in WWE who's not in his prime anymore. He still is capable of doing a lot of great stuff. His psych- ring psychology is still top-notch. His, he can still hit the high flow somehow, despite being in his 40s. Like, How do his knees still work? He's incredible. He is a specimen, and it is honestly that he. It is, in my honest opinion, I think he could possibly win this tournament now. Now that I'm seeing how he's kind of they're presenting him a bit more, and other other people that are tied with him are uh, Zack Saber Jr. Again, not going to happen. Kenta and Evil, which again, I'm really hoping Evil doesn't win because no one wants to see another Naito Evil match because they were not very good when they happened. So that's that. <laughs> that's that. For the G1 climax, I believe the next episode, the next um, episode will be later. Uh, I believe, yeah, yeah, it'll be t- tomorrow. Yeah, or tomorrow for me, since you know time time changes and whatnot. But yeah, that's where the climax G1 climax stands at this moment in time, and it's it's turning out to be a pretty good. It's turning out to be pretty good, and I'm I'm very curious. I'm I'm very curious because it's one of the few times I've never I'm not able to keep up with New Japan's booking and I mean, they're always amazing with how they book everything. Their their twists are legitimate and they have great bait and switches with who you think's gonna win. They got great storylines set up by their wrestlers during those backstage promos. So it's 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 honestly great and I'm very curious to see who's gonna come out on top here. Uh, speaking of tournaments, we have another one going on currently in NXT UK, the recently recently restarted uh, show that after God knows how long of quarantining, and they've started something called, I probably should have mentioned this last episode, but I wanted to kind of wait a little bit before he kind of got started to get, get an idea of it because it's, it's a doozy. Honestly, the rules to this are a doozy. Uh, so it's... The NXT Heritage Cup is going to be is a tournament that is currently happening where they have pitted they have eight wrestlers currently and they are fighting to win a trophy the Heritage Cup and the way the, the rounds it's a it's a standard elimination so you know if you beat the guy you advance they don't so it's fairly fairly simple stuff but it's the way the matches are set up that makes it interesting it's they're doing it under British rounds rules so British rounds rules was a style matchup that kind of has a bit of it has a bit of heritage in actual wrestling actual british wrestling but it's it's mostly kind of it's it's been used a few times in pro wrestling but it doesn't i'm gonna i'm, wait, I'm gonna leave that till i explain the rules before i find my, my butt in my two cents about the kind of idea um so it's it's basically a kind of matchup where all these match they have about six rounds all in all, and they are about they are timed at three minutes with twenty seconds in between each round for the wrestlers to recover, and kind of just you know also do cheap stuff like you know uh, 
the last time they had one was Cassius Ono versus Sid Scala, and he, they had him like spit water at they had Ono spit water at Sid and hit him after the bell. So it's kind of a good way to get the heels some easy heat, which is nice, I guess. But again, more on that later. Uh, it's under two out of three falls matches. So first person to make it to so hang on, I, I'm trying to remember this. Yeah, first person to two wins, of course, is is um. Is, is the winner, yeah. I, I was trying to remember if there was a rule about submissions, but yeah, no, it's basic pinfall submission and knockout, which, again, getting to that later. Uh, the, the round ends once a fall has occurred, so if you've submitted or pinned your wrestler, they the wrestler, they will they will end the match. And then, of course, in the, it says here, in the event of a disqualification or knockout, the match instantly ends without the need for two falls. So that's probably and most definitely going to come into play sometime around this tournament because they don't knowing even knowing WWE they do not introduce a rule if it's not going to be it's they, it's like Chekhov's go it's it's Chekhov's go they're not going to introduce it without using it it's they they're a lot like that it's it's kind of like uh, when AEW did their MJF first versus Cody Rhodes, or was MJ? No, no, it was Jericho versus Cody Rhodes, and they had the, the panel of judges to prevent any kind of shenanigans. So in case something happened, they could score it, and they never really ended up using the judges. It's kind of, it's. I don't think it's really one of those cases because it's it's just a style difference. I think WWE is more likely to be the guys that's like, what, what? there's no point in introducing something if we're not going to use it. Like AEW would like to have the added details to the matches. And that's whatever. I mean, I thought it was a little silly to have judges without the purpose of it, but at the same time, I get why fans like that when that kind of happens. But I know knowing them, they're going to have this come into play that they're going to have someone get knocked out or disqualify themselves so they can just keep moving along. Um, either way, the also... It, it, there's also the mention that if if the rounds end, if all six rounds occur, whoever has the most falls. So if you have one, if you have one fall and the other guy doesn't, it's you're the winner. Of course, it's fairly basic with that idea. Now then, on to the idea of the round of the British rounds rules. Um, okay, no, I want to discuss the wrestlers first because I really want to get into this because it's something that I just kind of want to bring up that has bothered me ever since Raw Underground. So. We have the last match we had on NXT UK was Alexander Wolf of Imperium versus Noam Dar, the Scottish Supernova, and it, it was it was fine. It was it was it was for what it was. The NXT UK ramp, um, crowds tend to have issues with. It's not really their fault necessarily, I should say, but it's also one of those things where it's like there, there's no vocalization to really kind of get the thing going. There's no like they used to, and it's a shame because usually British crowds are so energetic and so lively and just so creative with their chants. It's always a shame to get an episode of NXT UK where they are just kind of dud. And it, it's I think this is one of those tournaments that definitely needs that. I think it definitely requires that kind of that kind of crowd reaction still. But it 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 was it was it was it, it was it was all in all it was it was pretty good. It really was pretty good, in my opinion. It's definitely, I like seeing the kind of style be brought out of it. And it's, I like seeing the kind of variety because, you know, some, some people like to criticize WWE for not having, or NXT in general. It, it, it they, they, they sometimes get, get um, slack for not knowing what they're talking about, not what they're talking about, 
they don't know what they're talking about because WWE does have a lot of good and NXT have a lot of good match variety all in all. So I think it's nice to show this and kind of off a little bit. And again, it depends on it's but in this case it's one of those matches that definitely depends on the crowd reaction. They could be it can make or break matches. We've seen this happen all the time with Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. We've seen this with AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan, where these matches, the just audiences kind of just don't don't really help the match. Brock Lesnar and Goldberg then just didn't give give a kind of words I can't say on air because you know uh, they yeah they couldn't give a rip and. When Daniel Bryan AJ Styles, it was technically sound, but it wasn't. There was no the the crowd wasn't there to really appreciate the heat like they did would later with Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak, which had a great crowd and was smart to put it on before when the audience was nice and hot, so they were ready to kind of really appreciate the technical work because those kind of matches can be very hard to appreciate. And either way, uh, back on to. Uh, the competitors again. So yeah, we had Dar versus Wolf. Dar ended up winning after after stealing another pin and hitting the Nova Roller for his. Uh, he hit the he hit the Nova Roller the first time. And, no, no, he he hit a roll up the first time and then he hit the Nova Roller the second time after Dunn interfered, and he went to hit Dunn, but then Wolf got in the way. It was kind of funny actually, and so yeah, Noam Dar is the first person to go forward. Um. Then the next match we have is A-Kid versus Flash Morgan Webster, Dave Mastev versus Joseph Connors, and then Trent Seven versus Kenny Williams. Now, uh, Dunn's involvement in this is... Pete Dunn is, of course, the biggest name NXT UK probably has at the moment. I don't know what's up with Tyler Bate at the moment. I haven't heard any, heard any real news. I imagine he's just kind of quarantining at the moment. But... Yeah, Dunn is probably the biggest name, and it's nice that they, they want to keep him on the spot a little bit, but I kind of would have preferred maybe someone older, someone like a like a like a Robbie Robbie Williams and a I think I messed up his name. Uh no no, no I didn't no, did I, no Robbie Williams the wrestler. Yeah, Robbie Williams the wrestler or a or a Johnny Saints, you know, because he it's it just it would make more sense. These guys are the kind of people that would that kind of would have that that prestige about doing these kind of matches with them they would definitely be it, it would give that kind of air of authenticity since you know it's the heritage cup it's meant to be in respect to the british wrestling heritage it's meant to be for this kind of english pride that they they're meant to have and i i, I appreciate don being a part of it but he's he he probably wasn't he was born, he wasn't even just he he's still so young he's still just he's not got that he doesn't have that prestige he has the technical wrestling but he doesn't have that kind of that heritageness he doesn't that heritageness about him Jesus he doesn't he's not the kind of guy you expect to to frontline someone like this in my opinion I don't think he's the kind of guy I would have used as my as the face of this tournament especially since he's still an active competitor so he's getting involved with it and it just kind of I don't know. I don't like the idea that he couldn't get involved. I'd rather have someone that wouldn't be able to get involved with it. Uh, so either way, we have uh, – who do I think is going to win the whole thing? Uh, probably Trent. I, I really think Trent. Kenny Williams just barely managed to get in after beating Smith and Jordan for the spot. 
and sevens could would definitely benefit from it and and would done seemingly restarting his thing with Walter, which on the one hand, yes, because they are they are so good together in the ring, and but also no, because can we give someone else a try? Maybe, possibly. I know, I know. Joe Coffey didn't exactly didn't exactly live up to the hype when it came down to it, but he it. I don't. I don't. I, I like to see the new guys. We still have this great, great roster of people, and it's. I think there are so many people that could just do so well against Walter, and it'd be interesting. We had. I mean, we had Mastiff. Mastiff was that was a great Haas fight, honestly, but. It, I, I just would like to see a bit more of the variety. That's all. That's all I'm kind of saying. And I don't know if I want to see Dunn take the belt back already, since he had such a he had such a nice run for so long that it feels kind of it feel funny if he won it back. And I don't know if I just don't know if that's really what people want to see. I mean, of course, there's not a whole lot of talk around NXT UK, sadly, which it is a shame. It is one of those things I think it's one of those shows that definitely needs more talk, since the matches are honestly always very above average and the the pay-per-views always are great honestly they have great pay-per-views all in all but it's, it's it, it needs more talk and i was hoping this heritage cup might be able to spark some interest in it but it's it's seeming it's i don't know it, it didn't seem like it did it based off some of the reactions we had on that night with darvis wolf but it is what it is, and I'm hoping that we'll at least get a good finals match between probably Trent Seven and Joseph Connors will be my second pick, by the way, for for winning it all. So and they're, they're going to fight, so that, that'll determine that. But I imagine it'll be probably maybe A-Kid. I, I really could see A-Kid actually going far in this match, even though he's, he's not really British. But uh, <laughs> it's besides the point. He's... He's at least, okay. He lives he lives in England, so it's still having its. What was it when Ellsworth won the when Ellsworth won the the women's money in the bank? It just it just seems funny. It's just like the the Spanish born the Spanish born a kid winning the British Heritage Cup. Not, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just it just seems. I like I just would like the headline of that. So back onto what I wanted to say about the idea of the. Round Robins tournament, uh, the, the the British rounds rules. I keep mixing that up with with a uh, with G one. But so when you present something like this, you uh, you so when you come get these kind of special rules with matches. So in the recent years, we've had um, we've had the Protist uh, World, the Protist Championship in in uh, in progress wrestling. And you've had uh, we have raw underground or hopefully raw underground stopped, and now we have this. So these all have stipulations about being knocked out and being, and like requiring breaks and everything. And 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 uh, in the British rounds rules having breaks and it I don't it doesn't mesh. That's my problem. It doesn't mesh with the world of pro wrestling unless it's like Josh Barnett's Blood Sports, which is a um, it is a which is a show that includes use, utilizing more MMA and realistic styles with its wrestling that still that still worked but still presented as in, as if it were a as if it were a, a, a shoot fight. 
it works there because they present you this world where people can get knocked out by basic things. We had a match end in one in one of the in one of the blood sports because of a power bomb. Now most of us know power bombs don't even register a good two count anymore in some promotions like WWE. So it's to see a guy get knocked out by it, which happens like what was it in in hell's in the hell in a cell it took all that stuff to put the fiend down to knock him. Okay, bad example with him, but still though you don't really see people get knocked out in a normal in a normal wrestling match. And it's it it doesn't so when you have these matches then that are like you can get knocked out, it doesn't it just doesn't really make sense because then where's where's the standard? Like how come this guy so a, a good example I had I remembered was um was was Paul Robinson versus Kyle Fletcher for the Pros Championship or when he battled, I believe it was Pastor e- William Ever. And in both cases they did spots that are just you've seen that. Like he did a Paul Robinson hit like a curb stomp onto the apron to him, which caused a knockout, and then he backed up Kyle Fletcher into a corner and just started railing on him with punches. And it, it again it'd be fine if this was like if this were like Josh Burnett's blood sports, if they presented this world where these things happen where people can be knocked out in this sense. And it, it, it would work, but you don't, because then you have another match where a guy's going in extreme rules. You have another, you have on the same card of Jimmy Havoc versus David Starr match where the guys are hitting each other with chairs and in throwing themselves through tables and getting hit with just crazy moves and they're not getting knocked out. They're just getting really tired. So it doesn't work when you mesh them the greater world of wrestling around it. It, you can't just then suddenly introduce knockouts as a thing. Like, in, again, in Raw Underground, which really doesn't work because you don't present the world. You're, you're, now, you're, you're then That one's even more baffling because it's like you're presenting this as if it's real fighting, but you're also presenting pro wrestling as if it's real fighting. So what the heck? What's Why is it here this guy is getting – he's like apparently elbows are apparently the most dangerous thing suddenly – and that, and then yet there's another match where um, Bowers just, where Finn Bowers just flying with elbows and hitting this guy in the face, and it's just barely dropping him. It, it doesn't work. You can't present both as you can't present one as also real fighting and the one as like also gritty real fighting. This one, this is the real stuff. But because you're either you're 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 putting down one side of your product or you're putting. Down, or you're just exposing everything else, and I'm glad they seem to have stopped Raw Underground because it, it just it doesn't it just didn't work. If they put put on a different show, maybe like if they made it its own little thing, maybe then. But it's it, it was dumb from its presentation to begin with. A new style could have like it just it, no it, it was just dumb. I like the idea that they're trying to give Raw a new style, but it, it just it was it, it was dumb. It, it's plain and simple. They, it didn't. It didn't even work as in they were trying to build up new stars because they had Baba Tunde or whatever he's called now getting beaten up by Braun Strowman in five seconds. Because now Braun went in, in the world of Raw Underground. Braun Strowman's punches are are lethal weapons. Yet it can't put down. It can. It can't put down Roman Reigns back then during Hell in a Cell. And so, yeah, it, it just. It doesn't work. There's no. It do, there's no consistency. There's just no way to. There's no other way to word it. I, I, I just explained everything. It just. It doesn't work. You can't have two worlds like that exist. And it's that's kind of my problem with the round robins a little bit because 
it's you mean to tell me now these guys are getting tired after three after three minute rounds and the twenty second breaks, like especially after a bunch of wear down moves because as in with the case with Ono versus Scala, it was a ton of like cravats and arm bars and everything, and it's it just it looks funny then to see them get like all tired and panting and then needing to like get these kind of rags washed over them and water and everything, and it just it doesn't. It just it looks funny than to have another match that's going above eight minutes where the people look like they're still doing pretty fine. It's it's it, again it's 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 whatever it's it's I, I like that they're trying to at least present it in its own little thing with UK being a shorter show so it's not as exposed as like as if it were Raw Underground, but it's it is what it is and I, that's kind of my thoughts on Knockout on like the concept of the Knockout and these kind of tournaments because it. It just, I just don't think they work. I think you need to have either the world around you set up around that knockouts can be can happen, or you just you just expose other wrestlers as being weaker, or you expose them as being, or you just again just expose everything else as like the fake part. You and that's literally the entire opposite point of pro wrestling is to have one side presented as as fake because it's meant to look real, kind of like when Jonathan Coachman was arguing with Nia Jax, like, oh, you know, she actually landed a punch that connected. <laughs> it's, no, you don't say that. You don't, that's not how you were worried it. You just say, that just shows you the danger of a Nia Jax punch to be able to hit someone in the face and break her, like, nearly break her skull to break, you You build up the punch. You don't then just, you don't expose the rest of the, the world around you as possibly being fake. God, uh, so... After that little rant, sorry. Um, it should be around now three, um, 4 o'clock, so just wanted to say you're listening to the TV radio with me, your host, William Main. This is The Undercard, and I hope you're all having a good time right now. Uh, now, to continue on after that little rant, um, yeah, so either way, Heritage Cup, it, it, it should be provide some good matches overall, but that was just my little rant on the concept of these kind of knockouts and more realistic based wrestling on a pro wrestling stage. And, and again, it is what it is. So to move, to move on a little bit, I wanted to talk about, uh, of course I'm late on this, but I want to talk a little bit about the, the main event of uh, the main events of, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Payback? Yeah, no, I'm completely, oh my God, I'm looking, I'm so sorry for being this unprofessional about this. Uh, I believe it. So let me just double check because I'm completely blanking for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, payback. No, my, no, not payback. Sorry, the one after payback. God, clash of, clash of champions. Yep, there we go, clash of champions. I am so sorry about that. Uh, yeah, clash of champions. Either way, I wanted to talk, talk a little bit about clash of champions no, I'm a pretty I'm pretty late on this, about a week, so everyone's mostly said what they wanted to say, but I wanted to talk about Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso a little bit, where, uh, of course, counted as a technical knockout, but whatever. Uh, it's... So, overall, it was, I wanted to say, overall, it was a really, really good, good night of wrestling. It was a really good show overall. It, the middle parts were, like, not as... Not like not as fulfilling a little bit, kind of a weird Oreo of of a show with the two outsides tasting really good, but then the inner parts being a little eh. So kind of the opposite idea of an Oreo. 
But no, no, it was it was still a really all-around all good show. Even the stuff in the middle, like I said, that wasn't as good was still decent outside of Bobby Lashley versus Apollo, which just wasn't all that. But Profits versus Andrade, sadly, that Garza had to get injured since it was looking to be such a great matchup. Uh, but Zayn winning over Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles in such an innovative way was amazing. Then we had McIntyre versus Orton, which was another really – Innovative match to see all Randy Orton's demons come out and help. Or demons as in like the people he's knocked out and his literal demons don't come. <laughs> this isn't Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton again. Though. <laughs> I'm just imagining his, his Randy, Randy Orton just fighting Drew McIntyre and suddenly his demons come out of him and you're just like, you know what, Randy, we're, we're, we're demons, but you know, this is getting a little a little harsh. You, you kick the man in the head. I mean, come on, dude. Just just not not cool, bro. Not not cool. <laughs> no, no. No, it was like Christian Big Show and, and uh, uh, Shawn Michaels all coming out after having their heads thoroughly punted by Randy Orton to get the revenge. So good match. But then we came to Roman Reigns with Jay Uso, and it was this it's one of those things. One of the things WWE can be really, really good at is providing not really matches, but moments. They they can provide like these really like really emotional moments of, of of work within a match and the presentation of one. Like one of the best in recent years was Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, where we just saw the beast Brock Lesnar get just demolished, humiliated by Goldberg. And it was such a big, like it was such a ballsy move to do that because they had literally just had Lesnar defeat the streak, the, the seemingly impossible streak. And then to have him be fed to Goldberg like that was, it was shocking and it caused a lot of emotions. And it was a very powerful moment to see that kind of happen because no one was expecting it. And I want, I want to bring this up because it's kind of what we see with Jey Uso and Roman Reigns a little bit. It's, it's it's more of a match than that than Goldberg versus Lesnar because it wasn't a squash. Okay, it was a squash in a sense, but Jay still got a lot of good moments to to look like he might win, even though no one knew. But it was like even though no one thought Jay was gonna win, it wasn't like we weren't expecting this. We weren't really expecting this. Just this hatred we saw. We weren't expecting to see Reigns be this kind of just this much of an. Again, words I can't say on the doobie. Just this, I don't want to say jerk because jerk isn't, jerk does not do him justice. He's, he just, it, it was incredible. He was just, he could have finished and this wasn't, it was showing that not only there was this a different Roman Reigns or either Roman Reigns being what he, like, like finally realizing what his privilege and his power, but it's, it was just it was the way he just did it to you know his own flesh and blood to see his own like his own cousin like cousin get treated like this and it just it makes you think like if he can do this to him what do you think he's going to do to everyone else and it was it was an amazing heel moment to just see him not even give Jay the decency to to it, he had all the power he not it wasn't just being in control of the match it was being in control of how he loses he wasn't going to just sorry. He wasn't just going to let him lose the match. He was going to make sure he was humiliated when he lost the match. Um, and to see Jay have to get saved by his his brother, but the towel it was, and have him have him grovel before him. He broke Jimmy by using Jay, 
and that was that's just genius. That was just genius as it was. He didn't have to use both. He got he got he didn't have to break them individual. He got both of them. But of course, Jay came back on SmackDown. But besides the point, just I'm just talking about the moments I felt when I watched it, and just to see him, Jay, just like the moment when when Jay chopped Roman, and Roman gave him this look like that's a chop. It's it just built up Roman again as this this he is the king. He is this leader, and to see a guy like Jay get like just demolished like that, someone who's so talented, to see him then get just have his offense shrugged off. It wasn't. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't in the sense that it was trying to bury him. Like maybe in that case where where Braun Strowman no sold Kevin Owens's super kick. It was more. It was again more or less to just kind of show like the just the absolute difference between these two people. It wasn't. It wasn't like how far ahead Roman Reigns is above everyone else. And I know I'm probably not making too much sense, but I'm really just trying to express like what how I felt trying to remember how I how I felt during that match because it was just something to behold to see to see just all these emotions like you hated Roman you literally hated him because Jay just what did Jay done to deserve like this he he really wasn't he just wanted respect he just wanted to be he just wanted to like prove he could do it after all the people saying he had no chance. And it it was just he didn't deserve that, and that's it. Just it made it makes Roman look worse, and it makes Jay look great as a babyface. And I'm a little I was a little bummed when I saw the, his match against Jay when I saw Jay go up against Styles on SmackDown because you know it might have just been Michael Cole and Corey being not the best commentators right now. Or Corey's fine, but Michael Michael Cole just not being the best commentator right now, and just trying to you know sell the whole aspect the same old tired aspect of how he's out of his league he's a tag fighter he doesn't normally do this you can't tag out and no one really ever does those storylines well um, i mean there's a i mean um, hangman did it hangman page is doing it okay on on a uh, on aew it's it's still not really great to see it but it, it's it worked because they were showing him get tired halfway through the match and he's like oh i need someone to tag in a way that can't tag in anymore but it's still fun. It's still weird to see someone like Hangman Page do that because he was a single star for so long. And but yeah, to see that happen with Jay, it's like it defeats the purpose a little bit. Like it's it's it, we don't need to know. We we know it's because he's a tag guy. We know it's because he's never really been given these kind of opportunities to really show off to such a main event star like Roman Reigns. But we don't need you. We don't need you literally point to. Like just giving it to us every single moment, like shoving the spoon down our mouths. It's just like, hey, did you know that Jay is mostly a tag star? He's never held a singles title. Did you get that? Did you get that? Get that? Just like, just shoving it. Don't we? We get it. We don't need you to spoon feed this to us. We get that he's not this superstar. He's not this single stupid. He's not a single superstar. He's not that type. But yeah, and and I'm I'm glad they're seeing that this like they're really working this family angle since it is it is just so interesting to see kind of them bring in these kind of history because the family is so deep in pro wrestling and I I love it I honestly love it and it's probably one of the best storylines they have going on right now over the, and probably one of the best they've had in the quarantine era. But yeah, that was it was it was a great match, and I love that it got the respect it deserves. It's one of those matches I think that could have caused a lot of mixed fans because you know it wasn't a match, and it could have been seen as a little boring with Roman literally just beating on Jay. But 
and it, no, it got great reviews. So it's like, thank God, because it was great. It really was. Definitely check it. Like, definitely look and check it out and make sure to watch like, the whole thing with the promo because you need to know the history behind just this, <laughs> just to know the, the visceral hatred. And, and that moment when Heyman put on the, the Lola with, um, or I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, the garland, yeah, his, no, his garland with the the red gar- the red flower garland over his neck was also just a really powerful moment to see Paul, Paul Heyman. Like again, if Paul Heyman is helping you out, you know this guy is like a big deal. So that was also a great move to have Paul Heyman just be so so submissive to this guy, to be so submissive to Roman Reigns. So sorry again if not a lot of that didn't make too much sense, but I really. I just really was trying to do my best to express how how I felt because there were a lot of emotions going on during that matchup because it was just so amazing to watch. It's just so amazing. Okay, and then I want what else did I have? I had checking my notes. Oh yeah, right. I wanted to talk a bit about about NXT Takeover tonight. Yes, uh, a little bit on. So for those of you who don't know, NXT Takeover. Is this is NXT Takeover three? Yeah, NXT Takeover thirty one, and so we have about five matches on the card. We have Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly. Really excited for that one. Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano. Kushida versus Velveteen Dream, and Santos Escobar versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. So, give a brief rundown of some just kind of my predictions with these since I love NXT. Give this just the time it deserves. I'm like, I sadly didn't do justice for Clash of Champions last time. So, I want to just give these some of the kind of news surrounding a lot of this and some of the respect it deserves since, you know, since I don't need a rant about retribution since they've been mostly kicked off and whatnot. So, so probably what will be the first match of the night will probably be probably either be Kushida probably be Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. So uh, I'm going with I'm really going with Kushida here. People seem to have really turned on Velveteen Dream, and it's again it's the whole we have the whole speaking out movement with the excuse me. We have the whole speaking out movement with him coming out, and so a lot of people are still pretty mad about Velveteen Dream getting these, this still sustained push, and to see him win here, a lot of people think would be kind of disrespectful. And Kushida being one of those guys that I'm worried is becoming the new Hideo Itame a little bit because he's been you know sidelined for so long, and he doesn't seem to really be in these chances. Outside, of he he got the the, the 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 cruiserweight tournament a little bit to show off, but I'm worried that that's too little, too late. So I really want him to win here, especially since he has this new attitude still. This new, I, I'm glad they're giving to him here, so it's not like Hideo who waited too long to get that that edge back, and it just didn't do. It was too little, too late, and I want Kushida to be pushed because Kushida is class. Kushida is great. Kushida will break your arm. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't rhyme, but regardless, he will he will break your arm. He, it's Kushida, he, the master of knowing how to, to to twist your elbows in all the wrong ways. And yeah, I want to see him beat Velveteen Dream. I want to see him win, and I want to see this new attitude continue a little bit. It's, it's I don't they I don't think they'll try to do a double turn since Velveteen Dream is already a bit of a heel now. But I I don't I would like to see Kushida just hold on the bar a little bit longer, the hoverboard lock a little bit longer on him or 
the arm bar, whichever how Eric's going to beat Velveteen. I'm predicting a little bit a, a fl- um, rainmaker, a purple rainmaker into an arm bar, which seems basic, but it's it's cool to watch when it happens. So, yeah, Kushida versus a Velveteen Dreams. I'm going with Kushida. Then I imagine we'll get. I'm trying to figure out if they're going to do the Gargano Lee Ray matches back to back. It's definitely curious. I'm definitely definitely curious to see how that's going to work out because I think they're in a way they'll 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 impact each other. They'll influence each other a little bit. So uh, I want to talk about. But first, I want to talk about Escobar and Isaiah Swerve Scott a little bit. So we have Escobar who's been. Leading of his own faction, Elegado, and versus Scott, who's kind of been working with Brizongo to you know keep them back because um, you know because they're the bad guys <laughs> and they're the tag team champions, and so Elegado, of course, wants to try to take those belt sums to these kind of guys. It's like mutual, mutually assuring that they're just kind of keeping each other safe. They're making their they're keeping each other safe, watching each other's backs a little bit. It's cool. It's been cool seeing Swerve work with with Brizongo a little bit, and I'm just happy to see Brizongo work because I love Brizongo. But as for this match itself, we had these two match fight already with Escobar getting the win after headbutting uh, Scott with a what looked to be a metallic with a metallic luchador mask, which is pretty cool to see because it was definitely a different. It was a good way to hide a weapon in plain sight. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely props to that finish. But I'm curious to see if they'll use that again in this matchup. And I, I just don't know because it depends on how who wins. Because it's it's definitely a coin toss to me in the best way. Because I can see why Scott could win because this is his next chance to get him. And yet I like where Escobar is with this gimmick and where he is with as a champion. I feel like there's still more to get at with him as your champion. So I guess with that said, I'm going to go with Santos. I, I feel like they might play with the mask a little bit again, but not too much because, uh, you know, Scott's seen it before, and I think he'll, he'll, he'll definitely know how to avoid it again. But I, I think Santos will probably win this. Maybe help with – help with. Um, I imagine Legato will probably come in, and Legato Fantasm will all come in, try to help, and then Brizongo will come in too. To, to even those odds, but I think Santos will get the sneaky heel win and keep his reign just a little bit longer. Now then, we have Gargano versus Priest, and then we had Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. Now, I don't see both the Garganos winning their titles. I, I don't see both of them becoming the, you know, the power couple of NXT. But... Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say Io's gonna lose to Candice. Candice would be really good with the title and all, but uh, I just don't see it working. With I, I like Io as champion. I feel like she still has so much more to give. Oh, I really don't want to say she loses, but I don't. I don't think she's gonna. I don't really think she's gonna win. So, uh, God, I'm gonna go with Candice LeRae. I, I, I feel like I have to go with Candice LeRae, and. No, actually, no, 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 actually, no, 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 I've, I've thought about, I'm thinking about this. I'm imagining since we've had this kind of thing with Gargano seemingly not being what he once was, kind of being a bit more of this cowardly heel thing, that I think he's going to try to help Candice in this matchup, and I think it's 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 definitely a cliche choice, but I'm still guess, thinking about it. 
he's going to try to help Candace a bit and he's going to mess up a little bit. And then that's going to kind of send Candace a little over the edge and maybe start something with her thinking she needs Gargano to get back to where he was because then it set up him losing the NXT champion, NXT North American championship to Damian Priest again. So he won't win that. And it would definitely set something up between them as like an angle where Gargano is trying to become like the Johnny of old, still keep his heelness, but be like the Johnny that could kick out of, Eight, eight, um, eight last shots by Adam Cole. So, yeah, I, I feel like that could start something between them. I, I don't want a little divorce angle. I don't want Mike Bennett, Mar- Maria Canellas again. That's not what I'm saying because that, that wasn't good. I'm just saying maybe something along the lines of, you know, getting Gargano to be like the kind of character he was before because as of late, he's kind of always been slipped. I mean, okay, it was always in his character a little bit to be the kind of guy that like the kind of Hiroki Goto where he'd always come to the biggest stage and he'd slip a little bit, but. I feel like they, this is a good chance to really capitalize on a storyline. So, yeah, I'm going with Damien and Io. Thank God I found a reason for Io to win. Io Shirai both retain their titles. And now for the interesting one, Balor versus Kyla O'Reilly. This one is, yeah, this one's interesting. This Supposedly this was all started because of the whole COVID outbreak in NXT, which, is, which isn't much. It's, it's, it's. Uh, I think they proved that that wasn't really the case for this, and they really wanted to just try to work something with Kyle O'Reilly. But uh, we we're getting we've had like there's been interviews talking about with uh, what he mentioned that he said that these opportunities are far and few between. Uh, on, the, on the recent interview he had, and he, just, he he it seems like he's saying this was kind of yeah he says this since this industry in general is just so short notice that these things just happen and. So maybe it wasn't um, – yeah, maybe it was – it probably wasn't because of COVID. It probably was just something they planned because, you know, they, they want to – I think – I really think Triple H wants to keep Undisputed Era in NXT for as long as he can, even though since we have the draft coming up, and I think he wants to reason – find a reason to keep them there, to keep – make sure – like keep, get them a storyline going so he wants them to stay in NXT by giving them this kind of giving us this curveball match with Kyle being the number one contender now. And I, there's a lot that could be done with this one. So Kyle O'Reilly already had something a bit with Adam Cole and in ring of honor where he won the chip where Kyle won the world championship. And then Adam got jelly of course, and beat up, beat up Kyle for the championship and won the match later on. So I'm worried that they'll do that and give it to kind of copy a little bit of Ring of Honor. I know sometimes WWE does that a little bit where they'll modify indie stories to indie storylines and Ring of Honor and stuff to kind of to retell it in their own their own version. But I don't know. I just don't like what that would do to Bauer. I mean, I feel like Bauer a little bit was a considering that Karrion Cross got injured. I feel like Bauer was a bit of a last minute. Like he, he's he's. I don't want to say he's a transitional champion, but I, I definitely feel as though there's there's they're still working out the kinks of this reign because of the fact that Carrion got injured and it was all sh- like pulled together at the last minute to have that match where all the former champions and then have the the bad finish where Kyle and or not Kyle Adam and Finn Finna fought around, but. I wouldn't be surprised if he was because I don't know if it's – he's definitely got the name value and he's definitely got the character work right now because he is just so awesome. But I don't know if they'll, they'll drop it to Kyle so quickly. And I, I don't I, – I do, but I do like the potential for a Kyle O'Reilly title reign with Undisputed Era, especially since they for so long have always been 
showing those signs of breaking up. And I'm wondering if this is like the, the moment that breaks the camel's back. If it's not, not like Adam finally raised, like his, he's just that selfish. Like Roderick Strong is scared of De- Dexter Loomis. Ah, that's no big deal. Uh, Bobby, Bobby Fish, she's injured again. Ah, that's no big deal. We can still defend. And it's like it's all about him and to see then Kyle become like the top dog of the, the of the of the UE would be like that's like that's him. Like he's just that selfish that he needs that kind of that's like he the attention needs to be him helping them and not someone else finally being the top guy of it. But also they're they also seemingly are setting up some of Adam Cole being more than just a little guy after Pat McAfee a little bit. I don't know if that's that's really going to still go anywhere. They might have already wrapped that up. I don't think about it. But at the moment, I wanted to say tentatively, since he seems like the safe bet, I'm going to go with Finn Bauer. I think there's you know, there's definitely going to be a lot to build up with Kyle as 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 a main eventer, and because Kyle O'Reilly is great, he's a great striker. He's got a great character. His facial expressions are always amazing. His matches are always great. Watch some of his stuff. I mean, I mean, I've watched a lot of his stuff. I mean, there's definitely a lot of great stuff out there of him and yeah he's he would make a good champion but i just don't think they'll drop it to they'll drop it from Bauer because Bauer is just he's that guy that has that name value and he's you know just still class he's still Bauer is still awesome so yeah i'm going with Bauer, Yoshirai, Damien Priest, Kushida, and Santos Escobar which ironically actually is all in a row here on this list i have <laughs> funny so yeah, that that's that for NXT Takeover. Not the most, and it's, I'm really looking forward to it. And I guess before I end here, I did want to, since I only have a few more minutes, I did want to bring up the recent issues of of WWE taking over their their superstars Twitch streaming. So for those of you who don't know, uh, WWE has recently. Uh, I don't know if they just recently found out about it or they're understanding the money they've made. The, the wrestlers are making off of it, but they there was a, a report that came out that was saying that those wrestlers are going to have to stop Twitch and stop Cameo. And hang on, sorry, my, my throat was getting was burning a little bit since this is going to be a small rant. Um. They found out about the Twitch streaming and the cameo. Again, I don't know if it's like they literally found out or if they just kind of understand now the implications of it. And they're, they, they're, the report was saying they're making all the wrestlers stop stop streaming and they're going to make sure they, they don't do it anymore. But then another report came out that said it's that's not what's going to happen, but it's going to be the wrestlers are going to be forced to hand over the profits they make from Twitch and cameo to WWE and then they'll get a percentage of those profits back. Now, okay, on the one hand, yes, this seems okay. Like, I can understand this. They'll be using, if you're going to use your ring names that WWE have trademarked, yes, you technically owe them a bit of the, the profits. Yes, from a business standpoint, that makes sense, that you owe them the money that's trademarked to their names. That's why many wrestlers can't leave and come back, like, on, go on the indies and be no, and be billed as... Um, what Drew McIntyre, like he couldn't go back and be Drew, build as Drew McIntyre. He had to be Drew Galloway. So yes, that's fair. But what the problem is here is not only then are, not only has WWE now, the, are they reportedly forcing wrestlers to stream because of now they understand the money they can make off of this, despite still being 
having a great profitable year, which you know always is weird to me considering all the people that like to make fun of them for having financial strains. But again, that's a whole other thing. It's it's forcing them now. They're forcing them not only to stream, but then not only does the money they make off of this, it means these this money is going to go to their downside guarantees. Now the downside guarantees are like the set profits that a person makes with in the company. So, for example, um, a wrestler will make. Let's the, the money behind it all is is definitely not. They don't. WWE has never really released the profits the wrestlers tend to make, and it's there's good reason behind that. You know they don't want fans to outcry certain wrestlers' paychecks, but. A downside guarantee basically states how much a wrestler will make in the year, regardless of how much they fight or how much like how much off time they have, so they have some kind of sustainable income, which is good. Again, if you're also if you're a higher employee, WWE stars are independent contractors. Again, a whole other thing I can't get into right now, but um, it. Eh, sorry about that. It's a whole other. It's a. It's a whole other thing, essentially, with that. That they then their downside guarantees then are what they basically live off of because not everyone is going to get to do the same amount of house shows, be on the same amount of pay per views, and be on the same amount of TV shows, which is where they get the majority of their bonuses from. That's where they make their money is being on the road and being on TV, and it's the incentives that they work harder, they get these, they can get these better storylines and whatnot, but. Again, another whole thing that guys like Zack Ryder technically got himself over and should have earned that, but they purposely made sure he didn't. So it's 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 a really weird, it's a broken system overall, kind of a bit of a broken system with that and with that in mind. But with it's it's the idea then that the Twitch money and all that that they are going to make the percentage they get is going to go against that downside guarantees. So they're going to take the money off of what they're making base for working for WWE and are going to take it out of the twitching streaming. So no longer is this fun and a way to engage the fans and you know make a little extra money since wrestlers don't actually make as much as you would think they do considering they have especially considering the WWE wrestlers have to pay for their own health insurance for the most part they have to pay for their own their own um, transportation uh, meal plans because you know wrestlers eat a ton. And yeah, they just they pay for a lot of these own things themselves, which is why you know they get paid so much on on base guarantee. But you know to have that extra money, especially with these kind of guys like Ryder and Kurt Hawkins who did that to kind of get because they weren't always on TV a bit. It's good to get them to connect with fans and show off their personalities a bit. But now it's becoming controlled from WWE and becoming and it's. It's 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 just it's it could be another way that they can control these guys and what they want to have them say and what they want them to do and again to take away that money and extra revenue it's just it just seems greedy it's it's just plain and simple greedy to see them do that and it's I'm, it's it's sad it's it's definitely sad to see the kind of thing happen because it's it's it was just something a lot of these guys wanted to do for fun like Tia Knox mentioned she just wanted to do it because during quarantine she didn't have anything else to do and she wanted to connect with the fans still. I think it was Tegan Knox that said that. I could be completely wrong. I'm just the main point here is it was it's not a good move on their part and does not make them look good as a company. So yeah, I'm I'm skipping over my time a little bit here and I'm probably but either way, this has been the undercard with William Maine. Quick PSA, make sure you're all still washing your hands and wearing masks indoors. We're all in this together. Remember that. So I hope you all have a good day and tune in next week for another round of wrestling news. Thank you. Have a good day.